This episode of On the Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit thinkingbaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is May 7th, 2019, and this is Tuesday's edition of On the Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On the Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league. I worked out for the first time in a while after shoulder surgery yesterday. I now can't lift my coffee to my mouth. This is going to be a fun episode, so let's get started. The MLB has delivered Braves starting pitcher Kevin Gossman a five-game suspension for intentionally throwing at Marlins pitcher Jose Urena during Friday's game, and a seemingly obvious and premeditated plan of retaliation for what happened last season, Gossman wanted to send a message but failed to do so when he missed Urena in an attempt to beat him. Kevin Gossman did appeal the suspension and was able to pitch last night, although he didn't fare too well. He pitched four and a third innings, giving up five runs with only three of them earned and picked up the loss. To add insult to injury, Gossman was also fined an undisclosed amount of money. So, was keeping an eight-month feud going worth it? That didn't seem to be the case, especially since Gossman's pitch didn't even hit Urena. Wasted opportunity, in my opinion. That is, if you like throwing at batters, which I do not. Time for some more drama. Before yesterday's game between the Padres and Mets, San Diego's rookie starting pitcher Chris Paddock had words for the Mets' equal but offensively-minded counterpart Pete Alonso. Here's what Paddock had to say. He's a great player, no doubt. Does he deserve the Rookie of the Month honor? Absolutely. But I'm coming for him. We'll see Monday who the top dog is. That's something I'm looking forward to for sure. And I'm not saying that in a cocky way. I'm saying that because I know what I want, just like I'm sure he knows what he wants. It'll be a fun little matchup. He continues in reference to the Rookie of the Month honor bestowed upon Pete Alonso rather than himself. Do I wish it was me who received that honor? Yeah. But the way I look at it is, do you want to be Rookie of the Month or Rookie of the Year? We'll see. We've got a long season, and I'm looking forward to Monday competing against him. Paddock then went on to pick up the win by pitching seven and a third innings, allowing just four hits, no runs, one walk, and striking out 11 Mets, two of which were Pete Alonso. I honestly think Paddock is enjoying himself and in a fun way acknowledging Alonzo's ridiculous talent, but he obviously wants to be the best rookie. That's obvious. Like, players want to be the best in anything that they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is not at all an attempt to call out Alonzo. Why would he need to do that? Jealous that he didn't earn Rookie of the Month for April? Eh, maybe. I'd say envious, if anything, but again, harmless. Well, Alonzo had his own remarks after the game about what Paddock said, and I quote, He's allowed to say what he wants. Like I said, he wanted me, and he got me tonight. Simple as that. It kind of fired me up. It was going to be a good matchup, and I didn't answer the bell. It's a really tough pill to swallow. Obviously, I saw what he said, and I didn't take kindly to it. My question is, what didn't you like about it? What did he say that irritated you so much? Have you ever had that friend that just has zero sense of humor? You can't play silly board games with them. They can't laugh at their own mistakes. They take everything way too seriously. Like, while riding a roller coaster, instead of enjoying the exhilaration of it all, they complain that the squeaking of the brakes around the sharp turns is too loud and that they could design a better ride. That's Pete. He also reminds me of my sister's ex-boyfriend, whose name was also Pete. Wasn't a big fan. 
Now who's the one being dramatic? This guy. According to Bleacher Report, New York Mets broadcaster and former MLB pitcher Ron Darling announced Monday that he has thyroid cancer. In a statement via the New York Post, he said, After the removal of the mass on my chest, along with further tests, I have been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. My doctors have said they are optimistic that the cancer is treatable and that I would be back on the air talking baseball in the next month or so. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank everybody for their continued support. Cancer of any kind is a scary discovery. And I've read that thyroid cancer, for the most part, is very treatable. About a 98% survival rate for the type that Darling has. The Mets organization also tweeted out, Upon receiving today's update on Ron's prognosis, we are comforted to know that his condition is treatable and look forward to seeing him back on the air soon. Let's sure hope so. Have a quick recovery, Ron. We will be hearing from you soon, no doubt. Injured list updates. MLB Trade Rumors reports that Mets manager Mickey Calloway announced yesterday that lefty Jason Vargas is headed to the 10-day injured list. He left his most recent start with a hamstring injury and is evidently going to need some time to recover. Good news, though. The Mets are hopeful that their other starter, Steven Matz, may bounce back quicker than originally thought. He has been treated for nerve irritation, and the issue is not nearly as concerning as it once was. The Dodgers center fielder A.J. Pollock will miss at least, at least, six more months in recovery of an elbow surgery. According to Bleach Report, Pollock has been on the injured list since Tuesday with an infection in his elbow, and it appears the problem will keep him out for an extended stretch. Pedro Mora of The Athletic reports that manager Dave Roberts on Wednesday said Pollock would be out a little bit, but that he expected the 31-year-old to return this season. The Dodgers are leading the NL West by two games over Arizona. If they continue to play the way they have, Pollock will be an added bonus to an already solid team when the time is right. Cody Bellinger returned to the Dodgers lineup last night, but was in right field rather than first base. Per NBC Sports, MLB.com's Ken Jernick said that due to Bellinger's ailing right shoulder, this will be the case moving forward. Bellinger partially dislocated his right shoulder, that's his non-throwing shoulder, Friday night while diving for a ball. His chances of stunting his recovery or re-injuring his shoulder are less likely if he isn't at first base. Manager Dave Roberts said, I do think going forward, him being an outfielder makes the most sense. Being at first, a potential dive. We'll see how that goes as time goes by. MLB Trade Rumor reports that the Athletics will welcome back first baseman Matt Olson today, according to a report from Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle. This activation will likely lead to the team designating Kendris Morales for assignment. Olsen has been working back from a hammock fracture that has sidelined him for most of the season to date. I actually believe his injury occurred very early on. I think it actually was during the last week of spring training, so he hasn't played at all this season. Either way, with Chris Davis struggling and hurting, maybe Olsen can bring in a much-needed boost to their lineup. LA Angels said yesterday that D.H. Shoei Atani will meet up with the Angels in Detroit today and could be activated off the injured list for tonight's game. Craig Alcatara writes that the Angels want to assess him first, but one assumes that they wouldn't fly him to Detroit if they weren't pretty certain he was ready to play. Atani has over 50 plate appearances in simulated games down in Arizona, and reports say things are looking just fine for the young star. It will be good to see him back in the lineup. Quick takes. Someone isn't happy with their job description in Cincinnati. NBC Sports reports that Reds closer Raciel Iglesias is having a frustrating year. He owns a 4.86 ERA with two blown saves and five losses. Iglesias takes ownership of his poor pitching performance, but he thinks that how the Reds are utilizing him is a contributing factor. Here are his comments. You can see the other closers. They don't pitch in tie games. I'm the only one who comes in tie games, and I've given up homers, and I'm losing games. I feel really bad. He continues, the way they are using me is horribly wrong. The closer comes in to finish the ball games. I've been coming into tied games on the road. I get it. There are situations that the team needs me. I'm not going to act like I know what pitching is like. I don't. I was a catcher. But a closer is a closer, and they have the mindset and approach as a closer. But on the other side, a pitcher's job is to get outs, period. If 
control the game, and give your team the best chance to win. You have to be able to do that. I think the only factor behind this story is Rasiel's performance or the lack thereof. San Francisco's pitchers decided to have a little bit of target practice yesterday afternoon during their game, specifically the sixth inning. Their victims, the Reds batters. The Giants went on to being four separate Reds batters in one inning, three of which came from the switch pitching hurler, Pat Vendetti. Giants pitcher Sam Dyson was guilty of the other account by hitting Joey Votto. The barrage of hit batsmen continued when position player Pablo Sandoval, and I'll get to him a little later on with another story, hit a fifth batter in the eighth inning. The score.com states that Sandoval's hit-by-pitch set a new Reds franchise record for hit batsmen in a single game and tied the modern-era National League record of five, a milestone reached five times in the senior circuit since 1900. Jason Kipnis never thought that after spending some time in the minors this year that he would help a young couple reveal the gender of their unborn child. According to Sports Illustrated, the Indian second baseman congratulated the Smiths on their child and explained this was his first time taking part in a gender reveal when he posted the moment on Instagram. He says the following, Congrats to the Smiths and their new baby girl. First time I've done a gender reveal and honored that they asked me to do it. Best of luck, you two. Now, that's certainly a cool memory, but I'm going to judge them now. Why on earth wouldn't you want to swing the bat yourself? Maybe have Kipnis toss you the ball while you take a hack at it. No, but seriously, congratulations. But equally as serious, really? Last night, Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya received his first ejection of the year by arguing a strike call during Brandon Jury's at bat. After the second bad strike call of the bat, Montoya ran onto the field to protect his player from being tossed as Drury also argued the call. What happened next? A pump fake. Home plate umpire Adam Hamari double-clutched his right arm before ejecting Montoya outright. When you look at the video, which I've included in the show notes, it even looks like he is threatening Montoya with a punch. He absolutely wasn't planning on him the manager. Let's just make that clear. But he seemed to ask Montoya for permission before tossing him. He asked him a question. Hey, you want to get tossed? Montoya's like, yeah, sure, why not? And then he tossed him. One of the strangest things I've seen. As posted on MILB.com, Detroit Tigers 26-round pick last year, Garrett Hill, extended his scoreless streak for this season to 26 innings while allowing one hit over a career-high seven frames Monday night in Class A West Michigan's 2-0 victory at 5th Third Ballpark. He struck out six and walked one. His scoreless streak has actually reached 33 and a third innings, dating back to his final seven and a third innings last year while with the rookie-level Gulf Coast League Tigers West. Hill has this to say, The game plan for every start is to look to see who is hot and try to execute my pitches. Sam McMillan, the catcher, has been behind the plate for most of my games this year, and we have been on the same page. It's a case of going out there and trying to get weak contact. And a bit of goofiness, yesterday's start to the Reds-Giants game was delayed, not because of rain or equipment malfunction or an umpire stuck in the bathroom stall. It was because of bees. A large swarm of bees had gathered near the screen behind home plate as players were waiting for the situation to dissipate. Reds outfielder Derek Dietrich walked out of the dugout dressed as an exterminator, wearing a white dress shirt with his white uniform pants and a helmet while he pranced around foul territory looking like a moron. You gotta do something to stay loose, right? And wrapping it up today with what I may call our ridiculously made-up record to make a player feel special segment. Pablo Sandoval became the first major league player since 1905 to hit a home run, steal a base, and toss a scoreless outing as a pitcher in the same game. Who keeps track of this stuff? If this is actually a paid position somewhere, expect my resume in the next couple days. I really want it. That'll do it for me. I appreciate you bearing with my sore throat. Thanks so much for tuning into today's edition of On the Hop News. And never forget, baseball must be a great game to survive the fools who run it. Talk with you tomorrow. Bye.